comes, it's Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter, the podcast that interviews the most interesting and influential people making an impact on Nashville's business, charitable, and entertainment scenes. Joining us now from his roving camper studio, here's Andrew. Welcome to episode 47 of Nashville Untold. It's actually been a while. I think probably a year since I have released an episode. In the meantime, I uh, real estate got a little busy and then ended up uh, purchasing a home for our family, uh, sold our home, rehabbed a home. So that took a lot of uh, energy, mental energy, physical energy, and uh, and then kind of COVID hit and all this fun stuff. So I decided it's time to crank it back up. Got several um, interviews over the last few weeks um, on a wide variety of uh, topics and people. So I'm definitely looking forward to getting some consistency back into releasing the episode. So my goal um, will be, I'm going to say weekly, could be every two weeks, but I think weekly I got enough I got enough uh, out there so hopefully that'll be the case so anyways hopefully uh well hopefully if you're listening you found me and subscribe uh, because again I'll be getting some uh, some new ones going today Stacy Floodpop sat down with me after receiving her degree in visual arts from Wittenberg University Stacy moved to Paris France to study as an apprentice under a visual artist and professor at Parsons School of Design, David Lieb. During her stay in Paris, Stacy found herself falling in love with another form of visual art dance. She started classes at City Veron and Studio Harmonic, focusing on modern jazz, hip-hop, salsa, and contemporary. After only one year, she trained professionally under many people there, and she also danced there in a, in a studio with a company there. I'm going to say there because, honestly, I can't pronounce all the names, um, you know, seeing that it's in Paris. Anyways, after she moved back to the States, she started to train in Vaganova, West African dance, and Bardenif Fundamentals. Again, sorry if those are not pronounced correctly. After returning to Nashville, Stacy worked closely with world-renowned choreographer Andre Funtes and danced with Collide Dance under Erica Sobel. For the past 18 years, Stacy has taught at Nashville School of the Arts. At NSA, she developed dancers who have performed with the Louisville Ballet Boston Ballet, Celine Dion, Donna Summer, DCDC, and various other professionals in the concert and commercial dance community. She has served as dance faculty at Vanderbilt University Dance Program and was chosen to be a visiting artist at American College Dance Festival, Radfest, and Big River Dance Festival. In 2016, Stacy earned her certificate in labor movement analysts through the Integrated Movement Studies Program at the University of Utah. And her certification, after her certification, Stacy has studied with Deborah Hay, Christopher Roman, KJ Holmes, and other dance makers of the current times. I definitely enjoyed sitting down with Stacy and getting to hear some of her story and also getting a better understanding of dance and just the different styles and hopefully 
in our communication and conversation that you were able to uh, learn some from that as well. Make sure to listen to the entire podcast. At the end, Stacy talks about an event called Lost Nashville that will be happening in October every Saturday evening. Um, FMG is partnering up with Kindling Arts Festival to present Lost Nashville, an elevated scavenger hunt that leads to performances throughout the city. It's going to be a pretty pretty neat thing, uh, 545 at different places throughout Nashville. So make sure to uh, not miss the details of that. And then also you can find that at Lost Nashville. And without further ado, here is the interview. Hello, Nashville. Today I'm hanging out with Stacy Floodpop. And she is with Found Movement Group. Thanks for joining me in the Rambler today. Thank you so much, Andrew. And we are hanging out in uh, Wedgwood, Houston. Yes. And you might hear a train occasionally because we're right beside a train. Yep. But we're in the shade, so that's more important. <laughs> we don't want to sweat. Or I don't. So tell me in a few sentences what gets you excited to start your day. Um, well, every day is different for me, um, especially since I have retired from uh, teaching high school. I don't know what my schedule is going to look like every day. Uh, someday I wake up early and shoot out the door. Um, or one day I'll wake up, work out, be greeted by my husband and get to hang out and decorate the house. But every day is, is a new schedule, a new day and meeting somebody new. Cool. Sounds like fun. Yes. That's kind of like my day as well. Yeah. Now, with that being said, do you, every day's new, but do you know what it looks like when you wake up? Like, do you have it somewhat planned? It depends on how full my schedule is. Um, like right now, I have the week, you know, scheduled out mm -hmm. minute by minute, hour by hour. Um, but if, if the company schedule is not crazy, mm -hmm. um, I, I kind of, plan my own day when I wake up. Yeah. See how I'm feeling. Yeah. Cool. All right. So where did you start creating your childhood memories and what are some of the fond memories that come to mind? Oh, wow. Um, well, I was born in Chicago. So I remember a few moments of Chicago where my most of my family is. And then when I was four, I moved here to Nashville. Yeah. Um, I remember the very first day that we moved, um, all of my friends were lined up on the street on their bikes in Nashville in Brentwood and they were all kind of greeting us. So that oh, was like fun. a really cool memory. Um, and then I grew up in Brentwood, went to Scales Elementary, uh, Northside was what it was called, which is now Brentwood Middle and then went to Brentwood High School. Okay. So, so did you move here at four to Brentwood? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's changed a lot. Oh, yes. Then, right? we, yeah. I've been here for, uh, I think, 20 years. Mm -hmm. And just in that time span. So, yeah, I couldn't imagine. Yeah, there was nothing in Brentwood. Yeah, really. It was just... <laughs> it was just farms. Everybody was like right in Davidson County, I uh -huh. guess. And everybody started branching out. Yeah. Um, how about some other memories that you that come to mind as a kid? Just did you ride the bike a lot or... Yeah, just being outside a lot. Hanging out with my brother's friends. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, it, it was just a lot of being outdoors mm -hmm. and, you know, school was great. I loved school. Um, had a lot of amazing friends in high school and middle school. Um, was in the marching band, was in like speech debate forensics type things. Um, didn't do much more in the arts world was more like into, I guess I was into theater, but not that much. Mm -hmm. Um, it was more just marching band was my, my life at that time. 
How about middle middle school years? Your your teen years? What were you into? Um, just hanging out with my friends. Really being a being a teenager. Mm-hmm. You mean you didn't have like seventeen sports or something lined up? No, like stop. No, I, I me either. I, no. I kind of enjoyed it. Yeah, you know? I was just getting in the mud and the dirt, and uh-huh. you know, and then exploring like what it is to be a teenage girl or just a, a human and at that time which is much different than now <laughs> no cell phones no no internet I nothing and it, it i had my first cell phone in 97 i think mm-hmm. it was oh it was so cool too you know i didn't ever wear a clip but i felt yeah. pretty cool yeah it's i think um i don't know your exact age but like i like it being kind of in the middle like we Grew up with none of it. Right. But then, you know, you were able to adapt to it. Mm-hmm. Sadly, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little too much. It, it. I watched The Social Dilemma the other day and that just oh, yeah. got me. Yeah. <laughs> now, what, where's that on? Is that... It's on Netflix. Okay. Yeah. I think I've, I've heard about it a couple of times. It scared me. Yeah. Well, I tell you, so my wife and I were discussing even today and like just how to go about all this technology. And, uh-huh protect your kid, but give them the freedom. And and then I'll listen to a podcast, this one guy, and he's interviewed like kids that were addicted to, you know, whatever, and just the effects of it. And mm-hmm. it really does. It's it's so tough because like on one side, like I live without it. Mm-hmm. I actually, I just, I think I told you earlier, I, I got off social media for like a month. Mm-hmm. I'll still get on it, but I'm honestly going to even try to use it even more selfishly mm-hmm. for marketing purposes. Yeah. And not waste my time on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's like I want him. And and our, I think our kids have done a pretty good balance mm-hmm. of outdoors. Like we just moved. We have a creek in the back. Oh, and wow. We got an acre. And, you know, so they're they're getting outside. Yeah. Um, but they also get the technology. So just finding that balance, yeah. you know, of knowing that how addictive it can be. Mm-hmm. And, but yet you don't you don't want them to be the only kid in their class that doesn't right. do anything either you know right. so what's mm-hmm. worse you know than being a outcast to some degree or, yeah you know i don't know it's 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 a funny it's a funny thing i mean watching watching it kind of develop while i'm teaching high school students because i was at the high school for 19 years um and seeing how their communication skills have changed mm. has been um really interesting yeah yeah. Well, I got to ask you, which you don't have to say this on here, but how old are you? I'm going to be 46 in two weeks. Okay. Yeah. So you started, I'll be, I'll be 44. So I was like, you don't, you, you talked like maybe you were older, but I'm like, you don't look that old. So, <laughs> so that's, uh, we're two years. Yeah. yeah. So when did you graduate? 93? 92. 92. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um. So yeah. So we grew up about the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. All right. So how about high school? Did you have a great time in high school? What were you getting... Um, actually, let me say this. Yeah. Um, so as you jumped into your teen years, uh-huh. what was your family like and how did your environment begin to shape you? Oh, wow. Um, my mom was a stay at home mom and she was really involved in me and my brother's life. Um, my father worked for Tractor Supply. Okay. Um, and that's the reason we moved down here as we moved with the company. And, um, but they, my parents were amazing and still are. Um, I think it, we were very family oriented, had as mu- many meals, you know, dinners as we could at the table. 
but my brother was really like involved with friends and hanging out. And by the time I was in high school, he was graduating. And, um, so pretty much through my high school years, it was just me, Mm. my mom and my dad. Were you like, yay, I got me. Or did you miss your brother? It was funny because I think when my brother went to college is when we started getting close, which I've heard from a lot of people. You know, all I just remember is, you know, my my parents would always be the people that would allow anybody to come over to their house. We would have like swim parties. We would have slumber parties. We would have like it was the the house Mm -hmm. that everybody came to. And I just remember having a lot of fun. We would have like silly string fights. Um, you know, that like mm-hmm. that party foam, oh, yeah. Yeah. we would just hide throughout the house and then just attack everybody and pillow fights. We, we had, you know, it was crazy stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was just a lot of fun. Um, my parents were, I would say pretty lenient. So it was, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wasn't, a, I don't know. I just had a lot of fun when I was in high school. Yeah. Um, and, and, but I mean, there were, there were good and bad times too. Yeah. Um, and then my junior year, I actually had, we had a foreign exchange student for a year and she has become a lifelong friend. That's cool. Um, She lives in the South of France. I am her son's godmother. He's now 22 um, and getting his master's in international business. Um, So that was probably one of the best memories is having her there for a full year. Um, And it was, my junior year was probably my hardest year. I was sick, uh, had like a pretty bad illness. And then, so she was there to kind of be by my side along with my family. Yeah. Um, and she was now my lifelong friend. Yeah. So. That's cool. My, Natalie, she had an exchange student. Um, I forget how old she was, but that would be something cool to do. Uh-huh. You know, um, we'll have to talk about that, make sure that that's, that would be neat for the kids. Oh, yeah. Know? It was, I've heard nightmare stories, like nightmares mm-hmm. and amazing, but like it was what made me want to, live overseas mm. so yeah because i she just taught me so much about life beyond the U- yeah. u.s so. right right well that's the one thing i've noticed even just doing this it's like the more people travel like interviewing musicians it just opens your mind to there's so much more to life than mm-hmm. your little circle yeah. you know it's it's funny because you think about some people you go drive out in the country and they're sitting on their front porch you know and enjoying life you mm-hmm. know and i'm just like I wonder how fun that is, or is it just they don't know any different? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I couldn't do it. It's uh, well, it's funny because my husband is is 23 years older than me. Okay. So um, we're in different generations and he's retired and and, um, you know, kind of in his later in life years. And it's he loves to sit on the porch and he like. He, now I love sitting on the porch, uh-huh. not knocking that, but yeah. like to just do that all the time. Oh yeah, yeah. he does it most of the time. Yeah, but, okay, but he read like he reads like a a novel every two or three days. Oh, like we, wow. our house is filled with books. Um, so he, you know, he reads. He sits on the porch. He doesn't do much, but he loves life, and he, you know, he loves his, his grandchild. So I'm laughing because I, you know, I found that like sometimes you gotta watch what you say because you could say like talking talking about you know like my we, so we just moved out of our neighborhood uh-huh. and my, my son's talking to my old neighbor uh-huh. and you know and he talks about it's not that he's knocking the neighborhood but you know it's like dude you you could be offensive and what's just you gotta watch it yeah you know? so that's hilarious that I just knocked 
just sitting on the front porch doing nothing. You're like, well, actually, my husband, that's what he does. <laughs> yeah, but... I now, mean, is he getting kind of involved in some of the stuff you do as well? or is He, he used to. Okay. He, he doesn't like crowds. And the last few shows that he went to, he gets... He, he knows my process. Mm-hmm. So sometimes he gets so... Um, I hope he, it's okay that I say this. Um, he gets so emotional about it mm. that sometimes it's really hard oh, for him cool. to understand, like not understand, but to to take in what I'm saying. Okay. So, because one of the shows that I did was about him. Okay. So it's called In This House and it was just, you know, with our age difference, we know, you know, it's right. kind of common that he yeah. might go before me. And it was just about that exploration of like what happens when the person that you love mm, wow. is gone, you know. So he got all, you know, he got emotional on that, but, um, he always asks me like what I'm working on. And I kind of throw these ideas at him, at him to like, for him to play the the devil's advocate too. So we do a lot of work at the house. Yeah. So that's neat. Um, yeah. All right. So, um, so high school, what were you getting excited about during your last days in high school? (laughs) Um, when I was in high school, I really loved like science and biology and kinesiology. And, um, so I personally thought I was going to be a neonatal neurosurgeon. Like I thought I was going to go into the medical field, be a doctor. Of course, that's pretty, you know, like stereotypically, that's what Brentwood, you know, the the Brentwood people do. And so I thought I was going to either be that or some, like some, great doctor or business person, or mm-hmm. I don't know, but I thought I was going to be behind the de- a desk or like, I don't not what I'm doing now. Okay. By far not. Right. Yeah. So, and then you decided to go to college or did you, yeah. where, where'd you go? I went to Wittenberg university. And that was which, where? In Springfield, Ohio. Okay. So what did yeah. you go there for? Uh, pre-med. Okay. <laughs> um, and failed out in the beginning year. Oh yeah, like, really? Completely so bombed. <laughs> yeah. Now, I did mean, you, did you finish your college? Or? Yeah, okay. I, I stayed there. Um, and ended up double majoring in psychology and visual art with a minor in art history and French. So yeah, I mean, I completely did like, you know, a complete turnaround. Um, did you like just go party and lose it or what? Um, a little bit, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was, it was also that I think in, in, at, at Brentwood and in high school, it just seemed so much easier, mm-hmm. um, than it was in, in regular, in college. And I like, oh, right, right, it was, right, right. and Wittenberg was supposed to be one of the top liberal arts schools in the nation. I, like at that time, I don't know what, what the ranking is now, Okay, but, um, and I just, chemistry killed me. It wasn't, it was only mm-hmm. chemistry. And I was like, and my advisor was like, if you can't get through chemistry, you know, then forget yeah, it. Yeah, You're yeah. done. And I started do like drawing for my friends, like just doodling. And they're like, have you ever thought about going into visual arts? And mm. that was my first dabble into arts, the arts. Calculus changed. I, I wanted to design cars and really? I would like actually draw cars uh-huh. like very, you know, amateur but I would just draw them. So I just always love cars, like still love cars. I love exotics and stuff. And so I wanted to design cars. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, all right, engineering, which I don't even know if that's what I it, what I wanted to do, if that was the right degree. But calculus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was like, freedom. <laughs> and yeah, I, I, I didn't do too well with it. either. Yeah. I'm like, because same thing. It was like high school. You didn't have to study. Uh-huh. You know? And I will say I did probably cheat some, too. Uh-huh. You know? 
And then, yeah, I got into college and between partying and, and working. Yeah. So I always worked. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I was average mm-hmm. all throughout, you know. Yeah. And then I changed my major from engineering to business degree. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I can't do calculus. Like, and I was great at math. Uh-huh. But it wasn't the same. Like you actually had to understand it and study it and it just didn't naturally come. Yeah. yeah. So. I think that's the freshman year in college. You really discover like, oh, no, this is this isn't it. This mm-hmm. is this is not what I thought of, you know, or yeah. this is perfect. Right. It was I mean, definitely part of the experience. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So you graduated mm-hmm. and then you headed to Paris, Kentucky, France. Oh, France. Okay. <laughs> After I got my visual arts degree, I like really loved art history. So I kind of didn't, I did, I knew I didn't want to go into graduate school yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I figured after having Joelle, our French foreign exchange student, I was like, I want to go to France. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was looking for an apprenticeship with an artist and wrote the Franco-American Commission in Paris asking for an apprenticeship. I got a letter back that said, we don't do this anymore, but I know an artist that teaches at Parsons School of Design in Paris. Um, I sent this over and he's interested in taking an apprentice. So um, I was like, cool. So we connected. His name is David Loeb. And he um, he's like, come on over. You know, you can take some audit, some classes at Parsons and um, and then, you know, help me with some murals that he's doing. He, he was doing in the French Swiss border. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of what we did for about a year. That's where I kind of found dance too. Okay. So how long did you live there? uh, Two years. I was only supposed to be there for six months. Oh, wow. Yeah. But refused to come home. (laughs) Were you excited when you got back or were you like, were you depressed for a while or was it like? No, I didn't want to come home. It's cheesy to say, but I I really found out who I was Mm -hmm. there. Found an amazing community of friends that really didn't know like my past and my past isn't terrible, but Mm -hmm. I just, I, I didn't recognize who I was in high school, um, anymore. So I wanted to find like these new people and really found that in Paris and kind of through my college years, I, I, I didn't, I still didn't, I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do or who I wanted to be. Um, so it was there that I started dancing and these amazing, this amazing community of dancers. Mm -hmm. So what do you think about it? How did you, what made you find yourself there? Like being completely independent of anybody that knew me. Um, cause my, I call her my French sister, Joelle. Um, she was in the South of France. So she was eight hours away. So I was living in Paris by myself, kind of like arrived in Paris with a huge suitcase and not knowing I mean, I knew French, but not to the point of like a hundred percent. Um, and like for the first year I did, I was at Parsons, but I was also taking dance classes and that's what I really was passionate about and called my parents. And I was like, I'm not coming home. And they're like, yes, you are. So, and I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm assuming they're paying for it while you were there. They paid for the first year. And then I, okay. I came back. Um, they did not recognize who I was because I, my hair was black and I had like completely changed my look. I came back, sold my car, you know, raised some more money, flew back and was there working kind of job to job with the dance company I was working with and then tried to basically um, find a permanent job. But that was the I think that was the year that the World Cup was in France. Okay. And like all the visas were taken up. Mm. So I could only be there on a student visa and I wasn't a student anymore. 
So, so was that like a lot of tension between your family, like going back and them going, Hey, whoa, where are you go find my daughter? Yeah. You know, it, yeah. because then they probably had expectations and I'm assuming, cause I know there's still, you know, Brentwood Franklin, there's still, you know, yeah. stuff to live up to there. Yeah. Was that a big part of it? To like, or or was it as big of a deal then as I, maybe more now? I don't think my parents were never like part of the Brentwood scene, I guess. But like, I respected my parents. I always have and like their opinion. And mm-hmm. so when they were like, I'm disappointed or, you know, why are you staying there and you don't want to come home? And but they also understood. They understood mm-hmm. where I was coming from. And, and the cool thing with my parents is if if I have, if we have a reason, like my brother and I have a really good reason why we're mm. wanting to do something and that we can present it in the right way, they're like, okay, mm. you might have to do it by yourself and following your face, but right, right. you know, and that's something that I've really respected mm. of my parents. Yeah. Um, my yeah. wife and I again had that conversation today about finding that balance of letting them, because as, as they're doing the school mm-hmm. and Bryce wants to go play the older one, it's like, well, if he chooses not to do his work, then where's that balance in going? But if he doesn't get an A or whatever, then we look bad mm-hmm. versus going, well, this is he's growing up. You got to yeah. give him that that freedom to fail. Yeah, know? I think it, that's the one thing they, they taught me about consequences. And I think that's the biggest thing mm. that that the youth have to learn is the consequences. Right. And you got to give them some, too. Right? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So influence the capacity to have an effect on the character development or behavior of someone or something or the effect itself who would define this for you that's a hard one not necessarily one it could be a a couple could be you know yeah influence on me is that what you're saying Mm -hmm. i think work ethic and unconditional love it would be both of my parents and i love hearing both yeah you know i mean you don't always hear it yeah Because I don't think work ethic is defined by like going to work. Like work ethic is also defined as like the grit of getting through a difficult situation, Mm -hmm. which even though my mom didn't work when we were like in high school, she still had a work ethic. Oh, she had a job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But my dad, like my dad really showed me how passionate he was about like his paying job and then passion for life. My grandfather. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was an angel. How did he how did he define that? Like what what was it about him? Um, he never met a stranger. Um, he just had like I never saw a bad day for him. Um, he he passed away pretty early in his sixties. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still get emotional talking yeah. about him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he was just an amazing man. It's cool. Yeah. Um, all right. So shout out to your favorite restaurant and favorite nonprofit and why? Um, restaurant. Gosh, I don't know. I, I haven't been out in a restaurant for a while. <laughs> uh, one that you would frequently visit unless you cook all the time for yourself. No. I mean, I love the Sutler. Okay. Yeah. That's like a place that I like love to go. But in that sense, like it depends on who I'm with. I don't have like a, a favorite. It's mm-hmm. kind of like, yeah. Yeah. Um, nonprofit. Well, I, I mean, we have a youth company that is found youth. 
that is like uh, near and dear to my heart. Mm -hmm. But I would say another one would be theater bug. Um, I'm learning more and more about what they're doing with the youth. And I do hold a special place in my heart for like the, this youth, because Mm -hmm. I think they, they, they need a lot from us right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that theater bug is doing that. Cool. I've heard, I've heard, or I've heard of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They actually Mm -hmm. are moving into the, the Fort Houston place, the the wedge building. So, all right. So why career and dance? If I could say, would that define what career and dance? Yeah. It gave me no other choice. It was funny because like, once I started dancing, I never looked back. Um, and like, that's part of the reason why found is called found because dance found me. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, I just think that for me, I love visual art. I, but I think part of my choreographic process and my work that I do is visual art. Like, I think the arts kind of bypass, like, um, they kind of, they work in, in co in conjunction with each other. Like there, there, there isn't one without the other. There isn't visual art without movement. Mm -hmm. There isn't, um, music without dance. There's Mm -hmm. not, you know, um, because when you hear music, something in your body moves, Mm -hmm. um, even when you create, you know, there's something in your body that moves. And so, yeah, I think they're, they all coexist together, but dance is something that like, I never expected to see or hear myself doing um but it kind of stuck to me mm-hmm. so. so how about like different styles like um i was watching actually bryce my older one yesterday last <laughs> night we were he's 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 getting and he's finding a groove you uh-huh. know it's funny because like like how graham he just gets crazy and hudson he kind of seems like he can he can find a you know the 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 beat uh-huh. um so it was funny now and I, we joke because you know they were doing like the the TikTok stuff, and oh, so yeah. now and I would be just going, you know, and just I did this little <laughs> Twitch thing, you know. Uh-huh. But anyway, so like, talk about the different styles, and like, with what you do, does that incorporate a lot of variety, or mm-hmm. is there more of a style that lends itself to mm-hmm. what you do? And I, I don't know the exact, you know, how to ask all the questions because uh-huh. you know I'm not. I don't understand all of that, yeah. you know? So that's why I'm like, if it sounds silly, then no, it's, correct me. it's great. So I started in salsa and hip hop in Europe and j- and jazz. And then when I came here, I kept going with hip hop. But the more I discovered about hip hop here and the industry here, like what we would call commercial dance, which is like music videos, dancing mm-hmm. with a artist. I realized that I was not the person to be doing hip hop. And I just started researching other forms of dance and found, um, met the the co-founder of Found, Erin Law. And um, she really kind of uh, Im- immersed me in other forms of dance, like modern, contemporary, um, contact improvisation, and the idea of improvisation in general. So I don't know if I'm answering your question, but um, as far as what I do is I kind of, it's kind of like 
an amalgamation of everything. It kind of um, brings everything together. It depends on one, what I'm feeling to um, what the content or the story is about. Mm -hmm. And three, how I collaborate with my dancers um, because of the, the dancers are from all different genres. So if I have a dancer that's more into hip hop and has trained in hip hop, mm -hmm. I'll kind of allow that person to kind of help me create their movement. Okay. So, um, I'm fascinated. Like I love classes that I love to take are, um, I love to take African dance. It's I'm, I'm very passionate about African dance and, um, that's another shout out to another nonprofit Sankofa dance company. Okay. Um, they're magical and amazing. And they just, um, the class is just so it brings reality to you. So, um, yeah. And for me, I think that's my favorite form of class to take, but yeah, it's just kind of a mixture of all forms of dance. Okay. So there's no title. So like if somebody like my wife and I, well, we took, we actually did uh, ballroom dancing in mm -hmm. college, did a class and then we did the waltz for our wedding. Mm -hmm. And then we've gone to the uh, Centennial Dances in the Park. Mm -hmm. Is that what it's called? Um, have you ever been to that? Mm -mm. Where they actually, they'll have live swing bands and waltz and oh yeah, and that's like awesome. That. Um, but so like if I enjoyed watching, so you think you could dance, mm -hmm. um, is that something that is similar? Like I would enjoy because or is yours more it, the style that you would teach? Is it more ex expressional? Is that the right? Yeah, word? expressive. Yes. Okay. Is it more expressive? Um, we kind of do the full spectrum. It, okay. It also depends. Like, if I'm teaching a class, I love to teach jazz class, like traditional jazz, like jazz dance. You know what was back in the '80s and should still be here today. And like, mm -hmm. um, it's it's very technical, very linear. It's like what what you saw. Like, I mean, chorus line, the Broadway show. It's a lot of old school Broadways and things like that. What you would see somewhat on Flashdance, mm -hmm. you know, the movie. So I love to teach that, but I also, part of my certification is in Laban Barteniev movement analysis, which is, um, it's about like looking at human movement and creating this efficiency of your internal expression versus your ex external like movement and mm -hmm. how they correlate. So, um, with that certification, a lot of my movement has become more internally driven. Like how is this person supposed to be feeling and how does that, how is that ex expressed mm -hmm. outwardly through movement yeah huh yeah i know it's i know it's very deep a lot deeper than i've ever probably learned to appreciate mm -hmm. you know all right i know there are uh, challenges in every industry what would be some of those in the dance industry Woo. um the stereotypes um which I think right now there are a lot of people trying to fight those stereotypes that like one, that ballet is the foundation of dance, um, which is untrue um, to that um, you have to be, you know, a size zero and, and to be a professional dancer three, that what you see on social media and what you see on the TV is what is defined as dance. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's so many stereotypes. Um, I think those are the things though, like, uh, like the body, the body shaming of, of people that aren't, 
the the typical dancer, mm -hmm. um, which is something that I try to fight against with our company. Doesn't matter, you know, what body type, what type of training. Um, there's magic within every everybody and how they move. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think that that's the stereotype. Mm -hmm. There was the second. What was the yeah? It was just the challenges in the industry. Yeah, I think it's also the legitimacy of being a dancer, um, because I think out of all arts, like I don't want to say that this is it's for sure, but dancers on the pay grade are really mm -hmm. low. Um, there's actually an article in my friend's mag magazine called Dance Geist, and the training that dancers do parallels like doctors and lawyers, but we get paid. I think, I don't remember what the exact numbers are, but like cents by the hour, mm -hmm. like instead of dollars by the hour, it's like low. Um, and that like, if you look at TV right now, if you look at what is happening on some of, of the television stations and television episodes, dance is somewhere in there and mm -hmm. movement coaching is in there. And that dancers need to be paid more. Mm. That's like, for that is the biggest challenge. Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to like movies, we're the last to get hired. We're the last to get paid. Um, music videos, we're not treated that great. And then like a lot of times people will go, oh, you're a dancer. Can you do this for me? But, you know, they love what we do. But the question is, how much do we get paid? Mm -hmm. So Well, and I think that's, I mean, that's kind of what I think I was getting at is like, having because you know you got like you got like i haven't watched football mm -hmm. and you got you know all that i guess what i'm what i'm getting at is like maybe that stereotype one the third stereotype mm -hmm. talking about this is what dance is versus me just a little bit of seeing like on your website mm -hmm. and hearing you and knowing that there's so much more depth to dance mm -hmm. you know and what you do um and then i think it's like how do you get that out to people to learn to appreciate it more? Mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah yeah. Um, because if you don't know what you don't know, you don't know how, say, beautiful the art of dance can mm -hmm. be, mm -hmm. you know, because you might just watch a, something in dancing and love the music. Like, mm -hmm. I love music, you mm -hmm. know, um, but haven't, you know, haven't, I guess, exposed myself as much to the art of dance, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, so I guess that's how, you know, maybe that's what I'm getting at. Trying to understand myself. Yeah. And um, I'm sure there's many others that, you know, don't fully understand it all, you know? And it's very hidden in the industry. Um, you know, there's a lot of times um, dancers that are like larger bodies or bigger bodies are kind of pushed to the wayside. Um, my colleague, Abra Miles, just wrote a beautiful article about bigger bodies in the dance industry. Um, and like, there are so many larger body choreographers, but the, all, again, they don't cast larger body mm -hmm. dancers. And that's part of the shame of it, too. And like my colleague Abra is a phenomenal mover mm -hmm. and um, has a great message. And mm -hmm. we've been working together. I taught her in high school, you know, watched her go through college. And um, she's she's going to be a force to be reckoned with, mm -hmm. you know, as far as changing the face of dance and yeah. the body of dance and i think it's just get just like if i go to a shakespeare play mm -hmm. like i have to really 
tune in to understand. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if, if they're not speaking clear English, like I might not catch the storyline. Right. So I'd imagine the same thing with dance, mm-hmm. you know, is that you really, it's not just about the move is trying to understand the right. story behind it, mm-hmm. which do, do you, does it take a, you know, does it take something special in a person to get it? Does that make sense? I think it depends on whose work you're looking at. Um, what I really like to do is most of my work is very abstract. I was, I was talking to, um, my coworker, Allie, mm-hmm. um, and we were talking about like the goal of this, this new show lost Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that I love to do is it's a very abstract subject matter. Um, it's very, it's like an abstraction on an idea. And my goal is always for our guests to lean in, um, and kind of listen a little more, but also the guest, the, the goal of the performer is to, to turn the mirror on the guest. Mm-hmm. Um, so like at the end of a show, basically you would go, Oh, mm-hmm. okay. And you're not really sure what that is until you begin to have a, com- a conversation with other people that went to the show. And they're like, Oh my God, I didn't even realize that. And, and so the mirror is turned back on the guests for self-reflection mm. and, and self-discovery. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. All right. So, so what are some beautiful memories you have created over the last decade? Ooh, um, friends, like just the friends and the, and the people that the relationships that I've developed, um, and they're, they're everywhere. They're not just in, in Nashville, they're in, you know, LA, New York, um, I think those are the the most magical memories. And for me, like one of the things that I love is I, I don't know if my dancers like it because it's kind of grueling. But um, when we do shows in like a theater or in in a, a given location, those late nights where we're all there and we're pushing through because we know that this is right. And like the dancers are listening to notes afterwards and laying on each other's laps and like we're just laughing and and those are my favorite memories. And then like just seeing the magic happen on stage, like seeing, seeing the show happen and then seeing like the spectators go up and either in tears or either in laughter and mm-hmm. saying like, you changed me. Hmm. So, yeah, that's cool. All right. So fear, anxiety, depression can all be paralyzing to many. What words of encouragement can you share to help people take a step forward to break free? Um, You're like, where'd that come from? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Don't worry about sameness. Like something that I teach in improvisation is uh, one of my teachers said, if if you're in a line of yellow cars, be the red car. I think fear and anxiety come from comparison uh, comparison Mm. and comparing yourself to others. Um, None of us are the same. Mm -hmm. None of us are alike. Um, I also say that like, our bones hold our history, our muscles hold our memories, mm-hmm. and and no one can hold what you're holding inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and that everybody has a powerful message. Yeah. So just speak up. Yep. Yeah, I think that's the the negative influence of social media. Yes. Um, the comparison. Yes. It's almost like the whole just self sabotaging. Sometimes yes. you do things in life you don't even think about real- mm-hmm. or realize. Oh, that's having a big impact on me. Yeah. And I'm, I'm extremely guilty of it. Like I, I have fear and anxiety, Mm -hmm. um, but just like stepping back, like 
this whole event that, you know, it's, I'm terrified. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what if it's, it's not a success? What if people don't like it? Da, 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 da. It's all about the what ifs. Right. Um, but then you have to just, uh, for me, also redefining what success is. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've never tried, there is no option of success. Right. And like failure just means you need to do it again and mm-hmm. try another way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's that's it. Yeah. Like, don't be don't be another yellow car. And I think, uh, yeah, I think many of us deal with it. It's all about stopping, pausing, not letting it take control of you and getting perspective, mm-hmm. you know, um, even so, you know, being in real estate, if I feel I've lost the deal and I had one recently that I communicated in a way that was taken out of context mm-hmm. and I, the client went ghost on me for like a week. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when you're the sole provider and that's your income, it's like, oh no. Yeah. Um, and you know, I have to stop myself when I'm thinking too much on it. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, all right, stop one. I'm, I'm always like, be self-aware. What can you learn? Mm-hmm. But then you got to figure out a way to move forward, you know, and not let it yeah. get your day down. Cause I think that's when you spiral down, you know, Absolutely. let it control you, you know? So, yeah. And I, and I think probably purpose, you know, mm-hmm. defining just like with what you're doing, you mm-hmm. know, you're overwhelmed. It's something new, you know, anxious about it, but then you go back to why am I doing it? Mm-hmm. You know, Mm-hmm. Um, just like in this camper, I think when I did it, like, like, yeah, there were times where I'm like, what am I doing? You start questioning, like, I mean, the amount of time and the craziness of it, but then, you know, then you kind of get out of that moment and get a broader picture. Like, okay, all right, this is why I need to keep moving yeah. forward. So, yeah. 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 That pause is good. Yes. A pause is always good. All right. So let's talk COVID. How has it made an impact in your life personally and professionally? personally uh oh it's been funny um because i was so busy when i was teaching at the high school um i was like i was at the high school usually from because i was technically part-time my last two years um when did you retire i've been retired a year okay so um and i taught at nashville school of the arts which was amazing it was it was such a blessing to my career but the public school system needs some work and arts and dance again the last to be thought of Mm -hmm. in the public school system so um i felt like i could make more of an impact away from the public school system but um i was there usually from like 9 a.m until 10 p.m at night because we would do productions in the evening Mm -hmm. um so uh basically when I was res- I resigned, I was still working to get like our business up and going. But because COVID hit, it basically <laughs> caused me to stay at home and see my husband every day. <laughs> How was that? <laughs> it was amazing. Like we actually had like long conversations and and watched TV together and we got to learn more about each other. And we've been married almost 20 years. OK, Um so- so it was when's your anniversary october 27th i think we we never we never really remember where ours ours is easy because you take a year and subtract one so we were married in 01 just past 9 11 oh yeah okay um so yeah a lot more time together Mm -hmm. sitting on the front porch Mm -hmm. talking about life Mm -hmm. i do love i want a front porch like i want a big one so i might be that person at some point because i really enjoy the front porch yeah (laughs) and just hanging hanging out with my family has been wonderful so that's been it's funny because everybody's like you know oh covid and i'm like yay you know i get we're i'm remodeling the house which you know has been great um 
Bruce, my husband is like, what are we doing next? You know, kind of hesitant, but he's been really supportive. And then, Mm -hmm. um, time to like, just develop. Um, that's been great. But for the company, the hardest thing has been our events up until fall of 2021 have been canceled. Um, the show that we were doing at Flamingo Cocktail Club is canceled until further notice called Obsession. And then we would travel to New York to do this conference every January. Can't do that. Mm -hmm. So really my associate Kaylin and I have had to completely reinvent what dance and performance looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, And we took like one month and we're like, okay, let's dig down. Um, The blessing is because we do more experiential theater. um, We kind of already were going in that direction, um, but we just had to reinvent what that looked like. Okay. So. All right. Um, yeah, I had a, we moved into a house, so I did a lot of the rehab and, you know, it was kind of nice because, because COVID hit, I still never gave in to not going to Lowe's. Mm -hmm. Um, but I didn't feel so guilty, not focusing on real estate (laughs) because I could focus on the house. Yeah. So yeah, it was like, I'm like, oh man, I was busy. I had to like stop projects because I'm like, all right, I got to get back into, you know. Yeah. But I heard the real estate. Is it, it's, oh, it's, it's still, yeah. You know, it took a dip in March and April uh-huh. um, when it first started. Um, but yeah, like the last three months have been, I, I, I don't know the exact numbers, but it's probably like 10, 15 percent wow. over last year. Wow. Yeah. And people are still uh, moving still here. Moving here, you know. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's. Because we're not crazy, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I do. Well, you've you've had a lot of people leaving other cities. Yeah. But I do think we, you know, we, and, and it's interesting, and you'll probably find this in, in your industry, is like you talk to musicians or coaches or whatever it is in Nashville, and mm-hmm. they, they all kind of say the same thing. Like, we're all here to help each other, yeah. to lift each other up, yes. not like competition. I'm going to knock you down because I got to make more, you know, it's like yeah. I, I spoke to a good friend of mine who's a realtor and she's killing it. And like, I'm like, God, I would love to be that busy. Um, <laughs> and we talked for probably 30, 40 minutes. I'm picking her brain, you know, just like, so what are you doing? What is it? Yeah. You know? Instead of like being envious of her. Yeah. Like, I'm like, that's great talking to you because yeah. it encourages me to go, all right, I got to put some of this stuff into action, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and so, yeah, that's just a common theme that I've, that I've found in different industries. Yes. Mm -hmm. Would you agree? I do. Um, I think it's been scary for the dance industry to come together because like, we're like, I mean, the other thing is, is dancers are very touchy feely. They love to like hug and love on each other. So even like, (laughs) it's so awkward trying to (laughs) greet a dancer. You're like, Hey, you know, and you're trying to figure out how to hug without hugging. And, um, it's kind of comical, but it's, it's also a beautiful exploration of movement. Um, but yes, I think as far as the Nashville dance community, we support, we, we support each other and recognize that we all have strengths Mm -hmm. in different, in different ideas and aspects. So, Mm -hmm. um, that's the really cool thing. And I think that's started happening like the last couple years. Okay. Cool. You stated, I do not want to be known as a person, but as a wake that is left behind. Yes. How are you hoping to make an impact? Um, well, initially it was by, um, my teaching and my mentorship. Um, I, one of my favorite things to do is I love to mentor artists. 
Um, so when I was at the high school, I established this program called, um, well, it was a choreographic program where stu- high school students could create their own work, their own choreography. And then um, like towards like my 10th year or something, one of my, one specific student, he's, he was like, I want to do more. And I was like, well, then create your whole, sh- a whole show, which is unheard of, of a high school senior. Um, so he did. And so I created this whole other thing, you know, that where high school senior can produce, direct, create, write their whole production of a show. Um, and it's the only one in the nation that Mm -hmm. where high school students can do it. Um, and so after I left the high school, my colleague, Abram Miles and I, um, we basically took that and turned it into the toolbox, which is a choreographic program that anybody can take. Um, but I love helping like creators. I wouldn't Mm -hmm. say just dancers, creators find like what they want to do and their passion without like a lot of no's. Mm -hmm. Like, um, something that I always say is change your no to maybe if, Mm -hmm. um, or like, what if this happened instead of this, you know, and the idea of exploration that anything's possible, you just going to kind of change your perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, so through high school and then my colleague, um, Kaylin Manning, who's the associate, she's been, she came to me three or four years ago and wanted me to mentor her. And it's just been, it's been magical. I, I love the partnership. I love seeing growth. And mm-hmm. so that's what I mean as a wake, like, Yeah. All right, so now let's talk about Lost Nashville. Yeah. So tell me all about that. So Lost Nashville is um, is basically our um, our turnaround point for COVID. So when we realized we had to stop obsession at Flamingo um, and everything else, we're in the processing of opening uh, um, uh, an event. I'm going to say it's an artist sanctuary called the radical and it's here in Wedgwood, Houston. And we thought it would be open a lot earlier so we could offer like COVID friendly classes and things like that. Um, that's still not open. So we're just like, where are we going to go? Um, we have nothing to do until January or till 2021 fall of 2021. We have to do something. Um, the dancers were getting antsy. And so Kaylin had this really cool idea about exploring Nashville. Um, and she's a, an amazing photographer and videographer, and she does a lot of our photography for us. And she's like, you know, Nashville has some really beautiful scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way she does her photography, they're not like, it's not a specific subject, but it's kind of like the nooks and crannies within the subjects. Mm-hmm. She does a, a show, I mean, a a series called found objects with the companies kind of like tossed into a corner in Nashville. Um, and so we were just brainstorming and I was like, what if we do like kind of a scavenger hunt? And then we met Allie Stewart, our production assistant or our colleague, I guess you could say. Um, and we started working together. And so we kind of brainstormed this idea of like, because of what found movement group means that like so all of us are overlooked kind of an, the unseen dancers of the mm-hmm. of the community that we wanted to expose like the unseen overlooked beauty of Nashville and like some of the unseen overlooked history of Nashville. Mm-hmm. So that's when we came up with Lost Nashville. The show is every Saturday in October. 
it's a scavenger hunt. So you have to seek out these places Mm -hmm. in Nashville through clues. And once you find these these locations, um, there's kind of like raw street performancing happening, like um, whether it's it's a musician playing while a jazz dancers doing some like sultry moves. Um, that's part of it. And it kind of reflects reflects some of the history of Nashville. Some of the characters are from the 1800s that we found. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's it's for me, it's found it's made me find like a new appreciation for the Nashville history mm. um, and what is really rich and what Nashville holds. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's an event that we're hosting um, in partnership with kindling arts festival. Okay. So cool. Yeah. Sounds like fun. It's going to be, everybody likes a scavenger hunt. Yeah. And we're partnering with Lyft. Okay. And um, the cool plug is y- there are, dr- you can drink if you're okay. 21 and over. So there's, it's safe because we're partnering with Lyft and you can buy a beer in some of these places. Yeah. That's and cool. see some cool da- dance. Will they have foods. like food trucks and stuff too, or, um, we haven't gotten the food trucks yet. Okay. Um, but it is, it's only six to eight. So limited, you know, okay. drinking and stuff. Right. Um, but it's going to be a good time. Yeah. It's going to be pretty crazy. Cool. So. All right. So from the great words of Paul and Timothy four, seven, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. When your journey's over, what legacy are you hoping to leave? I think that everybody, everybody is special and everybody has a place and everybody's important. Yeah. Just got to lean in and listen. Mm-hmm. Yep. Agreed. Even more so these days, right? Yes. Um, all right. So we'll switch gears real quick. I got a, a segment called the National Real Estate Minute or Few. Okay. How long have you lived in Nashville? 43 years on and off. Okay. What made you choose Nashville? My parents. What made you not leave Nashville? My like husband. Long term. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I accidentally met him and didn't want to leave him. Okay. So 20 years. Yeah. That's, yeah. I can see that because we, we moved here and I was 23, I think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we thought we both graduated from Arkansas yeah. um, University and, we always thought we might move there, but then once we got here and connected with friends and mm-hmm. I also love the city. I do too. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's great and it's easy to travel anywhere. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, what community did you land in and why that location? Community meaning. Well, you're in Brentwood. Yeah. We so live in Brentwood. in Brentwood. Yeah. On and off Brentwood, okay. Nolensville. Yeah. More Nolensville than Brentwood. Okay. Um, but I like pretty much live in Wedgwood, Houston with the mm-hmm. business and everything. So, yeah. yeah. Cool. And then what's this place again? The, uh, the fort? Uh, it, fort it used to be called Fort Houston, but it's oh, okay. now the Wedge Building. Okay. Yeah. And then our new space is going to be right next to the Bento Box. And so what all do they have here? Um, they have a, a business called The Loading Dock, which is a great little cafe. Okay. Um, they have an event space now, which w- is where Theater theater Bug is performing. Um, they have Scouts, which is a barbershop. The li- Lacquer Lounge, which is like nail salon. Okay. Um, and then one or two other nail salons. They have musicians and artists in there. Yeah. So it's What's kind of like... What's the building to the left that looks like a... Is it a bar? 
or there's an axe throwing place yeah. there. Oh, that's what that is. Okay. Yeah, I think it's called now. It's called Axe and Timber. It's gonna. It's new and opening. So they're probably you drink a lot, then you throw axes. Uh, that's scary. <laughs> All right. So uh, tell me a great memory you often share about Nashville. Um. One. Well, my favorite memory is I recently bought a boat. Okay. Um, and we take it out to Old Hickory, and. I didn't realize that I was a boat person, but I love taking it out and just like, it's so beautiful out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that, and just the people in Nashville, like the, the people are really amazing mm -hmm. once you get to know them. Yeah. We are friendly. Yeah. Um, all right. So what do you look for in a good real estate agent? Honesty. Yeah. My real estate agent that found the, the building that we're moving into, mm -hmm. um, he was extremely honest and is still helping me to this day. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, uh, I've, I have actually a few texts and a couple voicemails from another agent on another side of the deal I'm working. Mm -hmm. And that is not defined at all by that person. Mm -hmm. and, and really, it's like even the difficulty of guiding my client because I don't trust anything this person say mm. it's so brutal yeah i was thinking this morning i was like when this deal ends i'm probably my conversation with her is i hope i never do another transaction with you again sad but honest yes you know i think on honesty can be the easiest thing it can right and it like, really actually it is. what is there is there some saying with that i don't know i mean i don't know how it goes but basically if you're honest you don't have to worry about trying to cover up right or manipulate or whatever you know, yeah it's just tape here it is. Yeah. And like having co a difficult conversations. Mm -hmm. Like I face-to-face -face difficult conversations is what I've found through COVID. Yes. yes. It's very hard to approach, but very right. easy to resolve. Right. Right. Um, all right. So what advice would you give to someone looking to move to Nashville? Do it? <laughs> no, maybe. I don't know. Um, I would experience it first. Um because I've had a lot of friends live move here from New York and LA and like these big cities mm -hmm. that love it because they're like, it's funny, we were talking about this last night with Alexis, the mm -hmm. owner of camp, um, that it's, they, Nashvillians love to lean back and enjoy mm -hmm. um, and like really engage. And if you're a go, go, go person, sometimes it's hard to get used to that. But once you get used to it, you might really enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But if so, you're work driven, I guess you're, you wouldn't. Well, we are work driven, but you could do that in conjunction right. with chill. You yeah. Know, listen to some live music yeah. or watch this or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and being, you know, here as long as you have, like, is it exciting to see the growth? Because some are like, stop, you know. Um, it's, it's a bittersweet feeling. Um, I hate seeing some of the beautiful mm -hmm. old stuff go. And some of the stuff that I can't, I mean, like, I can't think of a lot of it right now, but like some of the old buildings, like, mm -hmm. uh, we went to Danger's, um, on Charlotte the other day and there's a huge hotel that's going up right next to it. And I'm like, oh my God, is this mean that this, that's going to be next or, or you can't even hardly see it. Like, yeah. Now you got to drive in between buildings to see the Ryman or yeah. Yeah. Although it is kind of cool to go to Boston and you see all these tall buildings and you see the little tiny revere you know the, yeah. the history so yeah i agree mm -hmm. as long as we keep the history all right that's all i got so cool. thanks for your time thank you so much all i right. appreciate it
As always, thanks for listening to this episode. I know there are a gazillion probably now um, podcasts. I know through COVID, I think everybody that was uh, bored or had spare time on their hand, they decided to uh, jump into the podcast scene, scene. So, heck, even in a year from, I guess, when the last time I I uh, published an episode, there are tons more. So definitely thanks for your time. Um, if you do have any questions or any suggestions or anybody you think might be a great interview for Nashville Untold, make sure to reach out to me um, through the email address on the notes. Next week, I'll be sitting down with Jason Davis. He's uh, spent his entire two-decade career in the music industry and worked with many worldwide stars, including Boys to Men, Sugar Ray, P. Diddy, Alabama, Lone Star, Dolly Parton, among many others. Um, Davis is an entertainment industry executive with a board range of titles, including award-winning songwriter, award-winning author, independent record label president, executive TV producer, entertainment consultant, former senior VP of A&R for Dolly Parton's management company, CTK management, and serial entrepreneur. He has many other accolades to his uh, bio, so uh, make sure to tune in. It was a great interview. Uh, he, he dove into some of his uh, some of his childhood and kind of what brought him into the music industry and told a pretty cool story of how literally Bon Jovi, how their music saved his life when he was younger with some of the stuff he was going through. So uh, make sure to uh, subscribe, make sure to share this podcast so you don't miss any new episodes I publish. And as noted on the intro, I do plan to get more consistent uh, with, uh, with the podcast because I'm done, well, not done with the projects on my house, but um, definitely have finished most of them. So anyways, thanks and hope you have a great um, week. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter. We encourage you to leave us a rating or review on iTunes. And be sure to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. To be a guest on the show or to share your thoughts, send us an email to podcast at andrewbuckwalter.com. Until next time. <laughs>